Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. Amen. All right, let's read some scripture together. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to read from John chapter 1, and it's also going to come up on the screen for us as well. It says this in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light, the word light's in here a lot, just bear with me. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. This is speaking of Jesus. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And verse 12 is what I want to share on tonight. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, the name of Jesus Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right to become children of God. What I love about this is it doesn't say the right to be called children of God, but the right to become children of God. That when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will become children of God. And so my message tonight is called Born Identity. And it's, <laughs> it's B-O-R-N identity, not the uh, action movie. Nowadays in uh, 2022, the topic of identity is a very hot topic right now. It's a, it's a big thing of discussion. Uh, it, it's very present in the media, in social media, and what people are talking about. And it's a discussion around what defines me, who defines me, who has the right to tell me who I am. And um, a, a movie that I love is iRobot, and there's that robot in iRobot who has a will of his own, and he grabs Will Smith and says, what am I? And he says it a bunch of times. I remember being a kid, and me and Sean loved that movie, and every now and then I'll just come out with it. What am I? And you know, to a degree, that is the cry of people nowadays. People just don't know what they are, who they are. What am I here for? I was chatting to somebody who's doing study at the moment, and they're doing an ethics unit, and one of the questions in their assignment was, what is a human? So they were talking to me about it, and straight away I cracked the joke. I was like, what am I? And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Go watch the movie. And you know what? I remember when social media first came out, and for me it was MySpace, and on MySpace you had the opportunity to express who you were on that page. You could pick a song to play as people went on your profile. You could pick a tiled picture to be the background. Um, But one of the things you had was a section where you had the opportunity to describe yourself. 
And so in school, some people put a lot of effort into this, and their whole life story, it was like three pages was their bio. It was like, it all began in 1992 when I was born in England. It's just like, anyway, people started to not get into that. It took too long. And so when I was on social media, it was cool to kind of describe who you were, the essence of who you were in just a few short keywords. And so some people would put like surfing, blonde, epic. That was who they were. As a 15-year-old Christian kid, pretty sheltered, I put these words, global youth, PS2, dirt desserts. That was me. Anyone born in 1993, that may resonate with you. <laughs> but in an attempt to define ourselves, we sometimes will go to like places that we're from. And often someone's identity might be tied to the place of their birth or the culture of their people. Sometimes here in Australia, certainly when I was growing up in Mindari, your identity was tied to your postcode and you would just yell that at people. 6030 out the window, whatever. Some people's identity was literally the land they're from. Sometimes it was, it was <laughs> attached to your job or to actions. And even now, for many of us, our identity, what we would say very quickly as to who we are, is tied to our relationship status. We might say, hey, who are you? Well, I'm single, or I'm married, or I'm a, uh, an empty nester. Or you may use the season of life like an empty nester. You might say, I'm a young adult. Or um, the season of life might be, I'm unemployed. Um, for me, what can feel all-consuming in regards to my identity at the moment is that I'm a parent. And especially as a new parent, that can feel like the only identity that you have sometimes. Um, especially for mums in that season, it's all-consuming. Especially when you have this little ball of energy constantly going, Dada! Dada! I'm like, okay, that's who I am. That's what I am. Um, sometimes it gets confusing because he'll point at me and yell, Nana. So then maybe I'm like, am I a banana? And so <laughs> it, can be, it can be a challenge. Um, in, the, in the movie, The Born Identity, I don't know if you've seen it with Matt Damon, but he, he loses his memory and he receives a whole new identity. And there's a lot of spy movies like that where someone needs to perhaps get rid of their identity so they get a whole brand new one. New passport, new photo, new haircut, the whole shebang. I say all that to say that many of us have issues with our identity. We have issues with our identity. Who am I? What am I? What defines me? Who defines me? Who gets to decide that? Because if it's me, it's easily swayed. However, through the work of God, God can do a great work in the area of our identity. We can, because of God, get a revelation so a new understanding and the correct understanding of our identity. When we encounter the love of God, how we try to identify ourselves, how others have tried to, fades into the background as who God says we are takes the foreground, foreground as how His Word in the, in the Bible defines us, takes its rightful place in our head and our heart. And that happens as... God journeys with us. So ultimately, I want to say this to you, is that our relationship with God should define us. Who we are in relation to God should define us. Before anything else in my life defines who I am, my relationship with God does. 
before I'm a parent, before I'm Australian, before I'm 6030 what, I am defined by my relationship with God. My faith defines me before anything else does. Someone in Scripture who undergoes transformation in their identity is Peter. And last week was so good, Pastor Izzy and Pastor Eli both shared different stories about Peter. And, and many people in Scripture have uh, and undergo changes in their identity in both seen and unseen ways. And sometimes people in Scripture undergo identity changes literally in their name. Uh, for example, Saul encounters God in such a powerful way that the S falls off and the Holy Ghost slaps a P on and he becomes Paul. And so some people's names are literally changed as their identity on the inside changes as well. So Peter was originally Simon and his name becomes Peter. His identity changes on the outside as it does in his heart and in his understanding. And, and Jesus takes him on this great journey of helping him see his real identity, who it was that he truly was. And when Jesus first met Peter, on their first interaction, Peter was a fisherman. He was a fisherman who then became a follower of Jesus. And Jesus takes Peter on this great journey of teaching him that even though he's not fishing for fish anymore, there's still a great work for him to do, and he's now a fisher of men. So he's not just a fisherman, he's a follower of Jesus, and has this great work of being a fisher of men. And Pastor Eli shared a bit last week about what Simon, Peter's original name, meant, and it means reed. And the reeds were things that were in the water for a fisherman, which was something of an annoyance. It would make it difficult for them to get into shore and to do the things that they needed to do. Um, the other thing that, the, that uh, we're taught through, uh, for studiers have, studiers, theologians, people of that nature, is that the, the word reed essentially means swayed by any form of pressure. So if you think about a reed in the water, there's no substance to it. So any breeze, anything that was going to come to move it, that reed's going to move. It, it can't resist anything. And so Simon, his name essentially means easily swayed, if you, if you kind of looked at it that way. And then what's so cool is that as Jesus takes him on a journey, his name becomes Peter, which means rock. So it's gone from something easily swayed to something now, which is a, essentially a foundation, foundational piece. And so... It's not just about the name. There, there wasn't power in him just being called something else because he might get called mate from time to time and there's, you know, whatever. It, it's, it was more of a declaration about who he was, who he was becoming, and this shift on the inside of what was happening in Peter's identity. How he saw himself was starting to get closer to how God saw him. He wasn't someone that could just be easily swayed by someone's opinion, by the challenges of life. He would now be someone who was in such a firm way that God could build something on his life. The meaning of your name meant something back then, and so this shift was something significant. And so Peter's growing in a beautiful way in his understanding of who he actually is. And then something happens in Luke chapter 22, which we're going to read, uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 31. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers." Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. So he fully backed himself here. He's like, Jesus, I am with you. I was going to come up with something hardcore, but that is what it is. I will go to prison and to death with you. And Jesus said, 
I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Imagine getting hit up like that. You really back yourself. You're like, I'm with you to the death, to prison. And then Jesus says, the, the rooster will not crow until you've denied that you know me three times. It says this later in verse 54, speaking of Jesus, it says, when they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled, kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him, speaking of Peter being with Jesus. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He was a fisherman and became a follower of Jesus and then denied that he even knew who Jesus was. So now if you take that away from him, you're a fisherman, now you're a follower of Jesus and now he's saying he doesn't even know Jesus. What is he now? But there was hope for Peter as there's hope for all of us because of Jesus. Let's have a look at this. This is awesome scripture in Mark chapter 16. This is speaking of when Jesus has died. It says this, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples, and I love this bit, and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So we have here G uh, Peter's starting to grow in his understanding of who he is as a follower of Jesus. He's not an easily swayed reed anymore. He's a rock. He's something that Jesus can build on. Then he denies that he even knows Jesus, and it says that he wept bitterly. He would have felt like what had defined him in the best sense, he had now rejected himself. He'd walked away from. He'd be full of regret, full of shame. Yet when the angel of God tells of the good news that Jesus has risen, he tells the women to go tell the disciples and he singles out Peter. Tell the disciples and Peter. It's like just in case Peter was unsure if he was still a part of that group, the angel made sure that he knew and tell Peter. Just in case he felt like God was angry at him or didn't love him anymore, that he was no longer a follower of Jesus, the angel made an effort to say, tell the disciples and Peter. God makes an extra effort. It's as if God through that angel is saying, this news is for him too. Tell the disciples and don't forget to tell Peter. He's included. He's still accepted. And you know, we can be confused by Peter. And I know I certainly was when I was on my high horse as a 29-year-old. As a I'm not even 29 yet. 27-year-old. Last week 
we can say, Peter, <laughs> Peter, you spent all this time with Jesus. You saw the miracles. You saw everything. What the heck were you doing? Of course you knew who Jesus was. And we can be a bit judgmental of Peter and be like, if I was there, I would have been like, absolutely, I know him. He is the son of God. I would have preached. But the reality is, everybody in this room, let's get on the same page. We're all like Peter. We are all like Peter. Many times we love Jesus, but we can't not do things that don't reach the standard, that don't hit the mark. We don't always do the things that we know we ought to do. We all sin, we all fall short, and we can all deny Christ at times in our lives. And it may not be that we literally tell someone, Jesus, I don't know who that is. It's not that we do that. Although growing up as a pastor's kid, I had similar things like that because people would say, hey, are your parents pastors? No, 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 they're, they're business people. They'd say, what are you playing, uh, play, play, where are you playing drums at on the weekend? I saw on your MySpace, there was a picture of you and drums. That was at a concert. <laughs> and they'd say, what was the venue called? It was called The Church. They're like, that's a cool name for a venue, bro. Like, I was like, <laughs> but, but listen, here's what we can do. We can deny Jesus through our actions and we can behave as though we don't know who Jesus is. Uh, but the reality is we're a lot like Peter. But also, like Peter, we do not forfeit our right to be a follower of Jesus because we fail. Peter went from being a fisherman to a follower of Jesus, and even though technically he stopped following Jesus, he still didn't stop becoming a follower of Jesus. Thankfully for us, what does not define us is what we do. It's who we're in relation to in terms of our relationship to God that defines us. So your mistakes do not define you. Your sin does not define you. Your failures do not define you. What defines you is that through belief in Jesus Christ, we can be children of God. Even when we don't do a good job of following Jesus, we can still be a follower of Jesus. Because it's not about us holding up our end of the bargain. It's about God holding up His and God in His wisdom made sure that in that relationship, our end of the bargain doesn't really matter. <laughs> Thank God, because we always cook it. <laughs> Jesus is saying to us that you thought follower of Jesus was about what you can do for me, when it's actually about what I can do for you. It seems like it doesn't make sense because it's, I'm a follower of Jesus. But in that relationship, it's actually about what God can do for us. It's generally because of our pride we think that being a follower of Jesus is because I can do something. When in reality, we bring nothing to the table <laughs> except an end of the bargain we can't keep. And I love that. Tell Peter I'm alive because he's included in this. He's included in what this is, in what I'm doing. This news is for him. That news is for us despite how many times we may fail. Luke 24 verse 9 says this. It says, when they came back from the tomb, speaking of the women, it said they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. I love this picture, that Peter, he, he's denied Jesus three times, 
He's wept bitterly because of the shame and the regret. He hears the good news and he runs to see what has happened. I want to encourage you today, don't sit in the mourning and the regret and the shame of perhaps the mistakes you have made. Actually run towards the good news that despite what we do, Jesus is alive and he's still faithful. You're not excluded, you're not forgotten, you're accepted and loved. This good news was for Peter and it's for you too. For anybody that feels far from God or that they've let God down, we are the people that can, because of Christ's love, run towards that good news. Don't feel rejected. You know, often we feel like we've got to clean ourselves up before we come to God, when in fact we actually go to God to clean ourselves up. It's like when you get, you get booked in for your annual dental clean. Anyone do that? Or maybe it's a, every five years for you. I'm not sure. Mine's a bit like that. I sometimes feel pressure before I go to the dentist for my clean to do a really good clean of my teeth. <laughs> Some up for like an hour, new toothbrush, doing everything, flossing, Listerine, then you do it three laps. So you get to the dentist and they're like, wow, this is fantastic. You probably didn't need to come in. No, I'm kidding. They never say that. But um, <laughs> doesn't it seem counterintuitive that I'm paying money to have my mouth cleaned and then I just try and do it myself before I get there? That, that's why I'm going there. It, it's like that with God, is that God is the person that can clean us up, fix us up, lift us up. But sometimes we feel like we can't approach Him because of the place that we're in. Where I love Peter, Peter's royally messed up, as we all do. He hears the good news, he gets up and runs. I love it. I love it. Well, let's read what Peter does next in John chapter 21, uh, verse 1. It says this, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to His disciples. So He is risen now from the grave. Uh, it happened this way, verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So Peter's back to what he knows. He's being a fisherman. And um, let's read in verse 4 what happens here. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. As Pastor Eli mentioned last week, they must have been fishing naked. Um, and he jumped into the water. Verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. <laughs> this is crazy. It's exactly how Peter and Jesus met the first time. Peter's out being a fisherman. He can't catch any fish. Jesus, who's not a fisherman, is a better fisherman than Peter. <laughs> he seems to know how to do it. He helps them get a miraculous catch of fish. And I love the difference now is this time Peter didn't need to be asked. He just jumped in the water and headed straight towards Jesus. What I find interesting is that Peter had previously walked on water. I'm not sure why he just didn't get out and run it, but that's all right. Again, this is me saying, if I was Peter, I would have gone. Anyway, now John saw that it was Jesus, had the revelation that it was Jesus first, but Peter was the first to do something about it. He, he jumped straight in, left his friends in the boat, left the miraculous catch of fish in the boat and just headed straight in to the person that made that miracle happen. 
what it was that, that Peter set out to do in catching fish um, happened because of Jesus. But I love that Peter was more interested in who helped make it happen than what it was that actually happened. And he was a fisherman in that point who was technically not interested in catching fish <laughs> because clearly his priorities were changing because his identity was changing. He didn't just observe the work of God in that moment, he pursued God. And I think he knows, as we know, that Jesus is a better fisherman than Peter. Um, but what I love is that when Peter got to the shore of the beach, what Peter was endeavoring to do, which was to catch fish to eat, he gets to the beach and Jesus is already there with the fire cooking, the fish cooked, and he's even got bread. Just to, just to make it even more abundantly clear that whatever it is you're pursuing and you want to need, I've already got it in its completion. It wasn't that Jesus just had a raw fish there. He had it ready to go, ready to eat. And what the scripture teaches us a, a number of times in there is that whatever it is that we're pursuing in our own strength or the desires that we have, the good ones, Jesus already has it in its completion with him. This is true of many things, but it is certainly true of our identity. We can be working hard, doing things that we think are the right things to do to try and find out what is our identity. When it, it, it's, the, it's like a picture of someone on a boat trying to catch fish all night, getting exhausted, and Jesus is not far off with it completed, ready to go. The, the, <laughs> I like to imagine that the fish was scaled. It had a little bit of garlic on it, rosemary, a bit of butter. And I, I like to picture that Jesus is on one of those like BCF little low chairs. He's completely relaxed. You know, the Bible tells us he slept with a pillow, so we know he likes to, when he chills, he chills hard. And so I like to think... The, the disciples are all like knackered and tired and trying to haul in fish. And they're getting the boat going and Jesus on the shore like, just with it ready to go. You know, I know that that has been, again, like we laugh at Peter, but this has been me in my life where I am out there going, I'm going to find out who I am. I'm going to find out what I am. I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to tell people who it is that I am in 40 characters or less. Whatever Instagram lets me use in my bio, I'm going to tell people who I am, what my identity is. I'm going to try and find it in the things that I do. I'm going to find my identity in the relationships that I have. I'm going to find my identity in the great things that I've achieved. Or, or sometimes we can find our identity in the mistakes that we've made. And then we try to undo that by going on a discovery of trying to find it again in other things. And it's like being out in the ocean trying to get this boat cranking, trying to find fish. And Jesus is just on the shore going, hey, I've got it. It's over here and it's, it's actually finished. It's completed. Your identity, who you truly are, God holds that, holds that truth. God alone has that truth. It's God alone that can deposit it in your spirit so that that pursuit of trying to find it goes away. And you know, I, I do think that this generation, unfortunately, quickly is becoming known as the exhausted generation. Everyone's knackered doing nothing. And I mean nothing like in the sense that like, you know, <laughs> you can have someone who runs two businesses with four kids, they're relaxed and they're like, hey, I want it. what else can I do? You meet a 19 year old doing a shift a week and I'm not having a bag out of the 19 year old, he's got to do a shift a week. Um, how else are you gonna pay for Netflix, right? So, <laughs> but then they can't, they can't, we can't take another thing. And it's because we're exhausted trying to find out who we are. And we're trying to find it out through the affirmation of people, 
We're trying to find it out through our relationship to what's cool and what's going on. It's exhausting. You're on a boat trying to catch all this fish when Jesus has it cooked on the shore. And so tonight, don't leave this place in, in the figurative boat, continuing a long night out there trying to catch something which Christ has in completion with Him. It's about making a decision to say, you know what? I am no longer going to try and define who I am. I'm going to allow my Creator to tell me who I am. I'm going to allow the one that knit me together in my mother's womb to actually tell me who I am. And the challenge with that is that you're surrendering that you know something more. <laughs> when one of the most powerful things you can do in life, you know, especially for young people here, is just to wave the white flag and say, you know what? I don't know. I can't know. And you know what? I'm giving up trying to know. I'm just going to put my, my clothes back on, as Peter did. That's a good idea. And I'm just going to go straight after Jesus because I know that whatever it is He has is better than what I'm trying really hard to get. So being a follower of Jesus for Peter, but what about when I do a bad job of following? Well, the good thing is being a follower of Jesus is not about your following. It's about Jesus. And the Scripture builds on this. It builds upon who we are in Scripture. It tells us, as I read in John chapter 1, it says that we can be children of God. That through Christ we're adopted into God's family. That we can be a new creation. That we can be the head and not the tail. We can be above and not beneath. Scripture tells us that because of Christ we're then called. We have a purpose. That we can be a new transformation undergo a new transformation, we can be set apart, chosen, and forgiven. I love that on the beach in their exchange, when Jesus and Peter have a conversation, Jesus helps Peter feel loved, feel forgiven, and feel restored. And even though he had only a couple of nights earlier said he didn't even know who Jesus was, Jesus extends to him a gift, extends to him love, grace, and restores him in that time. And you know what's so cool is um, me and Bianca bought a book for Micah um, about this story. Now, if I'm completely honest, Micah does pr prefer Harry McClary, so please do pray for his heart. Um, we want him to be into this. But um, I brought this because... <laughs> The way that it sums up Peter's story in this is so quick and so funny, but actually quite powerful. It glosses over the crucifixion in about one sentence. But here we go. It says this. Peter said, I don't know Jesus. Right at that moment, Jesus looked at Peter and said, oh no. Peter knew he had let Jesus down. The next day, Jesus died on a cross. That, that's the whole crucifixion. But I like this part. I like this part. It says, <laughs> maybe this is why Micah doesn't like it. It's not biblically accurate, but he's good. But it says, Peter was sad, but I like this line. This is good. It says, Peter was sad, but Peter didn't stay sad because Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus was alive again. And how's this? The whole of John chapter 21 summed up here. Jesus was alive again, and he even made breakfast for Peter. <laughs> It's good. <laughs> I like this though. This, this sums it up. Peter had let Jesus down, but Jesus forgave him. They were friends again. Then Peter told everybody all about Jesus, the friend who forgives. That's the end.
All right, so the cry of our heart, who am I, what am I, what's my identity, where do I come from, what is this all about? You can find it in Christ in its completed form. And Christ will tell to your spirit, speak to your heart, speak to your mind that you are forgiven, you are made new, you are washed clean, and you are a child of God. But as the Scripture says, it says, for all who would believe in His name, they would be called, they would become children of God. It's as simple as believing in Jesus Christ. So why don't you all stand to your feet for a second. We're actually going to worship Jesus for just a moment. I'd love to pray with you. Sing what you sing for a second. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.